entering the DGTC. Are you ready for a deep dive? And Jordan get most of the crap. Can't believe I said that. I've been doing this since 2008. What the fuck do I know? Drawing cans is my kryptonite. Loading up elbow logos. Yeah, welcome to the show. Welcome to the DGDC, a united team of design professionals, creatively bound to bring unique inspiration and a common perspectives. You can email us listener questions or topic ideas to hello at dgdcpod.com or check out our website, dgdcpod.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at dgdcpod. Plus now you can join in on the conversation. We have a Discord channel. Just pop onto our website and hit the community tab at the top. Now, on with the show. Hey, Jordan, let's talk a little bit about our favorite sponsor. Are you talking about Skillshare? <laughs> I'm talking about Skillshare. <laughs> Skillshare taught me everything I know. <laughs> That's so great, dude. They're, they're such a great online learning community. I think the fact that there's just thousands of inspiring classes and things for us to do, you, myself, Mikkel, most of our listeners, totally curious people, right? I think you're part of this podcast, you're listening. Why not explore those new things? Yeah. Nine times out of 10, it's there. <laughs> this day and age, designers have to wear a lot of hats, right? And I think that's only compounded by the situation we're in. And so having something that can help me either like add another service to my, you know, page or, or sharpen a skill is, is invaluable. Yeah. And, you know, here we are kind of taking the lead, the three of us on this podcast and figuring things out. And one of the first things I wanted to do was look for tips and things on here on how we can improve and get better. I found a fantastic one. Uh, it's called Improve Your Interviewing Skills. This is done by Duncan Kober, I believe is his name. Uh, he's a university professor, and he talks about things like the best interview channel, um, methods of recording in person or uh, remotely. So little things that are going to be tips that can help you with whatever that particular situation is. Yeah. We listen to other podcasts. We know like you just don't want to do the same thing over and over again. I mean, it's, it's great. Like, again, <laughs> anything for any creative, like learning to code, uh, drafting up your first contract. I took one on pickling vegetables. Like, <laughs> the well like that's, that's custom. I love it. So just don't, don't forget everything that you're kind of possibly looking for is there. I mean, truly, like I know there's other stuff out there, but this one is, I keep coming back to Skillshare. Because again, it's for creatives by creatives. It's the people I'm looking up to and trying to get all their secrets and they're just giving them out, man. Yeah, and it's totally customizable. You yeah. can fit it into your schedule. We try to do it as well. It's totally on demand and I think that's fantastic. So here's your deal. Explore all the creativity it has to offer for two free months of premium membership at Skillshare.com slash deep end. Two free month, y'all. Okay, that's unlimited access, thousands of classes you can dig into for free. So get started today. Join by heading to Skillshare.com slash deep end. Two months free, people. Get on it. All right. Well, we are here on our first, let's call it the first real episode since all of this transition time. How's everybody <laughs> doing, guys? Really doing good. Well, really man. How are you doing? Summerly yeah. busy slash good. Yeah. Busy Summerly good. busy. There's yeah. a, that sounds like a new beer. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Only you, only you guys would have that yeah. type of reaction. 
<laughs> All I can say is when the three of us are going to be under one roof together, there's going to be a lot of beer being drank. I, I just know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Wes was, has never been into beer and it's so wrong. We got IPA lovers all around. This is going to be uh, a blast. But um, uh, for, for all of you guys, uh, I'm Nick Longo. I'm based in Los Angeles. I'm Mikkel Morrison in the greater Seattle area. And I'm Jordan Wilson out of Portland, Oregon. Awesome. So we are doing our first one. Um, and what better way to meet Jordan for most of our listeners that uh, want to <laughs> know more? We're going to do our first episode that we're calling uh, under a new umbrella called Deep Dive. Uh, do you get it? Deep Dive, Deep Dive. <laughs> Works pretty good. So clever. <laughs> and a lot of our listeners, when we reached out, they wanted to hear more about the design, like the process and the getting really into uh, on a granular level, you know, what we do. And, and so we're going to spend a little time on that today. And Jordan's picked a fantastic project to kind of uh, walk us through. And we also are going to be doing under these, realizing it is an audio podcast, um, Jordan put together like a, a great little uh, um, visual companion to this that will be downloaded in the show notes. And so if you're home, if you're, if you're working and you're listening to this, you can go right along with us with this PDF and see the amazing work. So uh, we'll get into that in a second. But uh, how's everybody doing work-wise, business-wise, COVID-wise? Uh, what's the pulse where you guys are at? Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I'm I'm busy, which is great, right? Like, I feel I feel thankful that I'm working, and uh, most of my clients are hanging in there, doing pretty well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, other than the lockdown and and just like slowly going insane and sitting every every chair in my apartment and discovering new cupboards and just like losing my mind i'm doing okay <laughs> that's great I love it. how about you Miguel? yeah i almost feel nervous talking about it i don't want to jinx any 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 it's busy and and kind of surprisingly <laughs> that's good so. that's good problems to have and i i totally get you on it that is. it's like sometimes you get that and you're like you're but i love that it feels promising and I, and and everyone's awakening mm -hmm. i feel like businesses are either awakening or re re put, putting reinvesting back in uh, every uh, on their own timetable, right? <laughs> I know. You know? I, I, do you feel sometimes like I'm, I, I can get very optimistic when signs of clients are looking good and everything's getting better? It, it's a good feeling. I hope everyone's experiencing something in there to kind of tell you the light at the end of the tunnel. And that's where mm -hmm. it's coming from me a lot because, mm -hmm. man, it's, it's a good feeling to know everybody's like getting back into the swing of it. we all feed off of one another, right? Especially those that are running their own independent practice, you know, quarantining in a basement and you're, you're listening to podcasts and you're working the grind. I mean, you start to lose touch with the outside world, irregardless of COVID period or not, right? That just is mm. what happens. And it's good to have those check-ins with clientele or networking individuals and or other to have that good, fresh reminder. The world doesn't stop. The world doesn't stop. We're going to be okay. Yeah, it's good. Well, just like as sort of creative, like part of the job is problem solving. So I have this like, I, I am enjoying trying to find these creative solutions for the constant sort of wave of problems that is sort of never ending. But it's fun. Ha it, it's maybe fun's the wrong word, but like it, it's at least engaging enough to like, you know, try to find these, these answers, uh, some sort of light in the darkness. And I think that's part of our jobs with clients anyway, right? And It is. Uh, okay, I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. It is. 
So we are back at Adobe Max again. This will be our fourth or fifth year, I think. And um, which is it? Is it five? Is it four or five? We've done four. I, well, we've four. done three. I've done. I went to one prior before our podcast was uh, into it. So this will be five, four or five, I think. Awesome. I got to look into it, but um, we all know it's going virtual this year. Um, and it's not going to be the physical thing, uh, in Los Angeles or Vegas where it usually is, but we are still a sponsor and they're doing some really amazing stuff with it. We'll have more to share on what our involvement is, but we'll be interviewing some of the the keynote speakers. We're going to have a little channel on the site. That's like a little podcast area and they'll have, uh, different things that we're going to contribute on there as well. So just stay tuned to that. Uh, it's free for everybody. So make sure you're marking your calendars. I believe it's uh, October 20. First, second, and third, somewhere in that zone. Uh, but we'll have more to talk about it. And then at the end of this podcast, we're going to sneak peek a little trailer for another new segment that we're putting together. And we are calling it the Test Pilots. And we have put together <laughs> a fun little team of young designers. Uh, they're going to be like our Test Pilots. We're going to come up with missions for them. And they're going to go out there in the world, uh, really focused to kind of help you as a designer and a listener and a friend of our show, uh, ways to figure things out and hear examples of people who are kind of putting themselves out there. It's a very experimental thing. They've got a great first task that we've already given it to them. And they'll be talking a little bit about that at the end of this episode. So stay tuned for that. I can't wait to see. This is going to be a lot of fun with these these, uh, four young designers. Yeah. I mean, I'm pumped. And just like the idea of like, you know, does cold calling work or like does raising your prices get like all these things that you hear, it's going to be it's going to be cool uh, uh, to see if they actually work and to have people that maybe isn't myself or you like actually test those. Like they're going in the dirt to figure out the answers. And I, I'm, I'm into it, man. I know. I know. We're going to have to get them like, I just imagine them with like these cool, like, uh, <laughs> like team jackets. <laughs> if the goal is to make a reality show out of those, that would be amazing. <laughs> we can all retire. <laughs> so yeah, stay tuned for that. We're going to, we're going to plug that at the end. Um, and um, we're also working on trying to do a discord channel or some place where you, the listeners, us, the hosts can all kind of, uh, uh, carry on the conversation after different episodes and even guests as well. So we're working on that as well. And all this will be hopefully on all of our new channels and the new website that we're working on behind the scenes. So um, let's get into uh, our our topic today. Are you ready, Jordan? Let's do it. Are you ready for a deep dive? Dive, dive. Are you ready for a So Jordan, um, you know, first tell us, you know, just like, I know you've kind of introduced yourself a little bit, but like, <laughs> you know, your, your design skills, your background, what you, you know, where you're at now, and then we'll dive into this, uh, this project. Yeah, man. Uh, so like I said, I, I run a small little creative studio up here in Portland, Oregon that specializes in like brand strategy, development, uh, packaging and illustration. Um, and this particular project that we're going to dig into is I think, sort of resonates all uh all those abilities into like one uh singular example um the project itself and the client is called 5440 brewing or beer and um they are a smaller little uh brewery uh tucked up here in uh, right in like south washington washugal area in the pacific northwest and um they kind of came i know the owner the owner's name's bolt uh, they specialize in like very small batch German inspired like easy drinking ales and lagers, uh, 
And they kind of came to me needing a rebrand. And that's sort of like where this started. I knew the brewer just because I work in the industry and locally, especially locally, I do a lot of breweries around town and they're pretty much Portland. They're like 15 minutes, 20 minutes out of Portland. Um, and so, yeah, he reached out with the need for a rebrand for this brewery of his uh, that had, you know, they weren't, they had some pain points. Man, if um, only you knew something about the beer industry to tackle this. <laughs> <laughs> I say that in complete joke because Jordan's like the the you're the you're like the master at it, dude. I I, I admire your work so much with this yeah, kind of stuff. I really, really, it's so good. Yeah, everyone that's listening to, if you can't right now and you're driving, take the time to have a look at this work. It's it's thorough, thorough. Listen, yeah, yeah, and listen again. <laughs> yeah. I, it's thorough. It's a complete package, and this is what would be expected at any creative in, in agency. This is this is it. Yeah, and it's yeah. so nice. It's coming from smaller agencies, smaller studios, and I think it shows what you know. Yeah. Everyone asks all the time, "How do I get better? How do I totally. build a better pitch deck? How do I get a better client?" And you know, I think that's it, it, you know how we do this is by showing, and these that's what I think this this segment's all about. I'm curious to know what, what you think of when you first go into it and you're rebranding an existing brand. Like what's your first thought? What's your first kind of, you know, yeah. consideration? I mean, you know, I, I'm always going to have like my personal like, oh, I wouldn't have done that or yeah. like why that. Yeah. But I think, you know, if I can get myself out of that, I mean, the first thing and what I did with them as well is like we sat down and I I tried to discover like everything that's not working. Like let's establish all these pain points. Like what are they? Because then that's going to immediately set of like where we need to focus, right? Like, why isn't this brand working? I mean, you, you, you've you hired someone. You guys must have gone through some sort of process. Yeah. And maybe like maybe there's areas in that process that fell through or maybe like it's just not turning mm-hmm. out the way you thought. Whatever that mm-hmm. might be, we're going to establish those pain points. And that's usually like the right. kickoff, especially right. for a rebrand, which is very different than like just, a, you know, ground up brand. Uh, rebrand can also be just more challenging because – man, there's so many touch points that you don't really mm-hmm. consider. Uh, and I don't think the client considers. Oftentimes they think like, oh, we'll just change our logo. But then it's like, well, that logo is, if you're established, it's on everything. It's on your website, your van, every packaging, you know, all the interior stuff, like menus, business cards. You just, it starts adding up and can be really daunting. So I think it's good to figure out what's working and what's not. So you don't have to just like gut everything yeah do you, you know. do you ask them straight up like what are those pain points like what yeah. you like yeah like what's yeah. not working and you feel confident in saying that to them when you're oh, having I mean, a conversation 100 percent. and that's the only way like i'm going to be able to actually like do anything otherwise i'm shooting in the dark but it's like i don't want to fall snare to the same things that might not be working with this current one and yeah. it can be as broad stroked or dissected as like maybe they feel comfortable usually i try to get them more open like let's talk numbers like where have your sales been like what's not working have they got down when have they gone down has it been since like you started releasing packaging you know were they better in draft versus packaging maybe there's something wrong with packaging yeah i mean i also know the industry enough where like i have an understanding of like how the distribution work and locally i know those guys i don't know like certain distribution companies operate differently and Offside versus onside. It's like there's so many things to consider. Yeah. Um. But definitely, like I, yeah, I'm not going to beat around the bush with the pain points. And and oftentimes, like, <laughs> yeah. And with smaller businesses, I think it's just like you know they they maybe hired like a cousin or like you know their niece or nephew, and 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 maybe they the niece or nephew isn't like you know a professional 
brand developer. And so they didn't go through the process. And that's sort of like where 5440 was, where they, they hired someone who was like a web developer, but he wasn't a designer. And so he kind of made him a logo, but like there wasn't, he didn't do any of that sort of brand essence. They didn't establish who the brand was and they didn't build from these like pillars. Yeah. And so immediately when we go through their pain points, you know, the big one of the biggest ones is just the market was kind of unaware of the brand uh, and they didn't establish any mm. of that groundwork. That's a mm. such a good, honest conversation to have with them, because I know when you are in that zone, I think sometimes you're a little afraid to mention that to to them. Right. And yeah. it's like, but if they, you're having a conversation with them, I always just try to think of those ways to make it easier to bring up those those uncomfortable things. And like you just nailed it by saying they never made like a, a presence. And, yeah. and, and what, a wh- who's going to say no to that? They're going to be like, can you change that for me? <laughs> right? Like, that's great. Yeah. That's, interesting. that's good news. Some people think yeah. that kicking off this way is starting with a negative, but it's a part of the discovery phase. If you don't know what didn't work prior, you yeah. don't know how to lift. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be sort of this like red mark on the company. It's just like, you know, either look, I don't expect my clients to know this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Uh, Right. Like especially smaller businesses and especially breweries. Like I don't go in expecting them to understand. Like we have to build up these brand pillars. We have to establish who you are before we talk logos because they're hiring me to do that. And so oftentimes it's usually like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you shouldn't have hired your your niece or nephew who has Photoshop or something like maybe. But that's okay, You know? Yeah. And, And so, you know, whatever. If we have to learn the hard way, like I have learned the hard way for everything in this career. So like, I get it, but let's dive in and let's fix it. <laughs> and I've been the, I've been the nephew, like, you know, I've, I've been like, right. Like, Dude, Oh, same. man. any young designer, like when I started off, I didn't, you know, I was like, yeah, I can make a logo look cool. I didn't understand how brands work. And so I'm sure many people have had to fix my mistakes yeah. starting off. You know, it's the circle. Of well, the and it's never life. ending though. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's exactly. Just, Exactly. Yeah, totally. Someone's always getting like, it's great to use our network and everything to get into something. But yeah, I just thought it'd be interesting to like make that, that call that we've been on both sides of this situation. I've gotten work from the nephew and I was the nephew. <laughs> 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 well, how does your, what's your next phase? I mean, I know you, you probably go through the pricing and, and show them that estimate, but talk about like maybe diving into your discovery. Where do you, cause <laughs> when you look at this, this, this case study, you see the robustness of, of, of a common thread throughout and mm-hmm. like, where do you, where do you start with the discovery and, and, and getting this yeah. established? Yeah. I mean, so, and, and again, you know, for anyone maybe who didn't pick up or like uh, is looking at this, this sort of case study that we threw together, you can again, get it in the show notes or yeah, yeah. we'll link yeah. it probably throughout, but um, you can kind of see like immediately I start with, okay, so we've established some pain points. Like the brand is lacking. There's no cohesion. It's sort of just like very forgettable. It's very basic, you know, not to be mean about it, but like it just, it wasn't working. And I think there was kind of a reason the examples we can look at this case study and you can kind of see, you know, it is, it's very just, there's not really a direction. Um, And so from there, you know, we decided with 54, we're going to take a big step back because they missed the whole chunk of establishing the brand essence and all these pillars. And so, you know, I was like, don't think design at all. We're not going to think, you know, we're going to take the big step back. We're going to start at ground zero and then we'll all tie it in. We'll figure out how it works into the new brand. But we have to figure out what their story is, you know, what their values are, figure out their vision and the mission. So that's where I'll start to develop some catered questionnaires that we're going to send. And we're going to meet, you know, like we spent about three months 
developing their brand essences before, before I you hit the canvas them. board and started. Yeah. 100%. Like before I even sketch stuff. And like that's hard for me because I always immediately want to go in and just like we start to get into. But like then it's just like, well, that's that's just a good call. My own that's, time and yeah. Money, so, yeah. The schedule permitted it, right? Like that's yes. always the, the dream situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mm-hmm. got the time. It, it, it's scheduling. Hey, Jordan, I need this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the scheduling is huge. And also just having a client who's like, I mean, they were so open, right? Like, and honestly, it, the funny thing, Nick, is he, he, we only really took this turn after you heard uh, a creative course podcast that we did about branding. Really? Because he didn't understand how it worked. And, oh, and there you go. For those who maybe haven't listened, like, <laughs> we just went into like the essence of building a brand. But so that really inspired him. And it, it sort of made it, it paved this way for he was just open. He's like, all right, we'll take as long as it needs. Like, let's do it right, which... I mean, that is kind of an anomaly mm-hmm. I find <laughs> when mm-hmm. clients are like, of course, yeah, we'll take as long as it needs. Uh, so that was lucky. But through that, you know, we're, uh, after we start getting into the questionnaires and figuring out who they are, you know, I for me, I was told a long time ago, like every brand should be fixing a problem or making the world a better place. And that can be as like broad stroked again, or as like dissected as, as relevant to whatever you end up with. But that ideation of like, okay, what is the problem? Like we have to be solving a problem. Good brands are not just there. They're doing, they're giving you value in some form. That problem could be just like, again, value based. It could be like, we're going to cut costs on competitors or it could be like, we're, you know, completely organic or it could be, you know, we're selling an experience, whatever that is like, how we how we fixing a problem or making the consumer's life better, yeah, the world better, um, and so we dug in and 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 it really helps having that time because I was able to go in and just like have with my notebook, you know, take notes, have conversations, and just pull little things that uh, uh, that struck me as we were talking. I even put in a, a screen grab of like some of my notes from some of these meetings. Oh, good, and and again, bolts the head brewer, and and he. I mean, he has a specific set of values already as a brewer. And most brewers do. Like, they're very opinionated in a great way. <laughs> uh, you know, but for him, he's like, he had this this sort of great vision for beer of, like, beer should be a tool. It should be, like, sort of this omnipresent, you know, thing that accompanies you with your activity. So it shouldn't be something to go gather around and focus mm. on and, mm. and and just like take the time away from human connection. And beer has, and I fall snare to that too. Like I'll go and I'll dissect, you know, I mean, it, we're in the industry, so I guess it's a little different, but I get it. Like, but Bolt, his vision is like, no, beer is the thing you have at the barbecue while you're talking with your friends, but yeah. it shouldn't be the center of the focus. And I was like, that's unique because that's going against grain. That's a point of differentiation that I think, the market is sort of moving away from, but that's okay because that means that leaves opportunity for, you know, in my head, this is what I'm thinking. And so, you know, after some time, we f- we established a problem. And the problem that we found was beer has become a bit too serious. Yeah. And so that sort of led this snowball effect of like, okay, that's great. How does that tie into like what you brew? And it even tied in like, you know, he's like, I brew easy drinking beer. Like I brew beer again for like, the barbecues i brew beer that's super approachable that's low pressure and it's just like about sharing an experience that isn't the beer itself and his beer is also phenomenal but like yeah i so, was just gonna add having th- this wouldn't problem you argue that yeah. it's necessary this is a little bold it's it's necessary to be a beer drinker yeah. yourself if you're going to be a creative on the project uh yeah i mean a hundred percent how like, many people would that, fib and say oh yeah i drink beer in order to get the job yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I would I would be in that camp too. Uh, but I do think like you know, with anything like I'll always. I mean, shit, if I had to like lie and be like, yeah, man, I drink kombucha. It's my favorite thing. And maybe I don't like it. Like I'll learn to love it if I take on that job, because I think we have to be some have experts to taste in the it. field if we're going like, to literally and figuratively. Yeah, and you have to like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you have to be so experienced in the in the industry. You have to become an expert in beer or whatever. If I'm, you know, if it's a tennis ball manufacturer, like I got to learn tennis, like I got to figure out everything I know. Even though it's not a passion of mine, but like that's sort of the name of the game. Uh, but then you get a lot of hobbies. <laughs> you do, way, but you know, know what? Yeah. This is so yeah. cool. I love this because um, we we used to support just a brand strategy firm. That's all that they did, and they would they hired mm. personnel that was specific to each client, right? So one of them was Grupo Modelo. All uh, you know that means Cor- Corona, Negro Modelo. Um, Pacifico, all all those Pacifica Light, Negramadel. So mm-hmm. they would travel all over the world and and work up focus groups in the bars, in clubs, in backyards to know what the persona is for every single beer line. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? How great yeah. is that job? And they would come back and report <laughs> to us and say, here's who we met. Here's who, here's who we met up. like by and large. And I had to sketch these personas and I fucking loved it. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, that's not IPA. They all knew I was the IPA drinker, but it just didn't matter. That's all that I was drinking. That's all. <laughs> interesting. That's all it's interesting. Months and months long. That's all that was in our fridge at home was all these Mexican beers because you have to live it. If you're going to work work on the project, I was very true to that. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. The yeah. knowledge, it's all data. Everything's so data-driven, and, and that's what steers what we do. So you're right. Rather than just have the numbers and know, uh, get entrenched in it a little bit. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? I think, too, like maybe that's reasons maybe we don't take on a project that might be something that we're not even – slightly remotely interested in or it might be a you know it might not be your perfect kind of fit um turning down something that's just not appropriate for you like right like you got to want to be into it and i think that's a great point um for sure yeah i love your sketchbook thing with the highlight because i think that's the that is like the nucleus and you said that was just in conversation and you wrote it down Mm. yeah i mean he was just like there were it was him and the other brewers and like went to get brewers talk and they just go and and so for me, it was just perfect because I was like, these are all hits. Like everything I'm hearing, like this is going to help build this brand. This is like I'm setting we're establishing their values in conversation, you know, and like sometimes I find it helps having more than just one on one. Yeah. Like having a couple lets me kind of take a step out of the conversation and and sort of just record and like, you know, write notes. So that's a tip I've figured out, like. And I think people are more comfortable opening up when there's two versus me versus like me one on one. So that's usually helped me. And this is usually how I pull out most of the best stuff is like having these conversations and letting people talk freely without any judgment and just like super open because you're going to get who they really are. And I think often and me, especially as a young designer, like I would I would make the brand what I thought it should be. But the problem is that like, well, then when when I take the step out, you know, after my job's done, if that's not who they genuinely are. They no, won't live right, by it. They exactly. won't act by it. So oh, you just created, this. This so you just great. created nothing, right? How, you know how young? So are and you? it's yeah. Go ahead. I am yeah, thirty-two. Young. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, but, yeah, but, but, fair. but, but like, I, you know, I've been drinking like, for- Yeah, I've been drinking. I've got a good decade of drinking some serious beer. <laughs> on the drinking side right yeah on the drinking side i'm like i'm like 78 or something you know <laughs> for every one year it's really like two years yeah exactly it's like the dog years of drinking uh but, but you, uh, you mentioned something interesting the per it's like purpose over preference and and i think that's that thing that we're all learning more and more with each job you do is you take out not only your preference mm-hmm. but even the client's preference and you put in the purpose and and, and that's what you've really mm-hmm. established with this thing mm. yeah and that's a hard conversation right? yeah because like, sometimes clients are like well you know i want to make sure we sound good mm-hmm. on paper and when you're saying like what are your values they always start with like you know like well we want to be you know the uh, accessible for everyone or like we want everyone to love us but like that's not how reality works the trick is like you want to be yourself because your true fans will will come to that like if you if you sort of build the genuine self they will come because you're not going to ever be everything to everyone like you can't you can't be that brand brand that doesn't exist like people have preference and are divided find your fan base and the only way i I have to do that is like be genuine because that's what people resonate to as well so if like like my favorite things to support is like oh those guys are genuine like they they do what they love and it shows and they're not trying to just advertise or sell yeah, that um, sales pitchy so I think so approach. Often that, this, that, that's yeah. a certain personality too, right? But come on, those that yeah. like brew their own beer, that you can't find that. They don't mix. It's just you kind yeah. of are safe <laughs> there. It's nice. Yeah. And then like, you know, again, brewers are opinionated. Mm. Like, okay, mm. be opinionated. Like piss people off that don't follow your values. That's okay. I honestly think if you're in that position, that means people will actually – I mean, if people hate you, then people will love you. And those people that love you, like, that's the support system. You can't be watered down. No one cares, like, you know, if you're the brand that calls their mom every week or, like, you know, helps old ladies cross the street. Like, you are, own what you are. Like, you you know, you're not a Boy Scout brand. Those don't exist or they're just boring. Like, have, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, so. We have these conversations. Yeah. I'm pulling notes, and, and it helps sort of establish everything started coming from there. Again, the problem that we're going to solve is, like, beer is just too serious, and we're sort of losing touch with, you know, the values that Bolt thinks. Like, beer should be, again, easy drinking, brings people yeah. together. And so with our problem, uh, we I sort of sat down, and we figured out the vision for the company. And, you know, with brands, like, your vision is your big picture, Uh and the mission, like what you're going to do, how you're going to, you know, I'm going to save the world. That's your vision. And then your mission is like, but how am I going to achieve that? So our big picture was like, we're going to put the easy back in easy drinking. Like that's the call to action for 5440. That's the vision. Me, you don't want to just try right, it. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because it, we, it's a unique attitude that no one else is doing. And I, I love the originality. Me too. Of me too. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think. Man, Jordan, they just yeah. must have loved on the fly, what you were saying, just in conversation, roundtable wise, just, I'm sure you were firing them up. I mean, this is just such an organic conversation for you, I'm sure. And that hits home with a potential client. Always. It's fun when they haven't had those Mm. yet. Like it's fun when clients are like, this is how it is. Like, yeah, this is how it is. (laughs) That's really, Uh, really great. Yeah. But yeah. And so so putting the easy back in easy drinking, that's sort of the mantra. But, you know, initially we're like, okay, people are just going to think it's like, okay, they only brew light lagers, which they do, but they also brew IPAs. They brew a whole spectrum of stuff. So we had to make sure that going forward, like, we have to define what easy drinking is. It can't be, we have to redefine what it is. And so 
for 54, easy drinking is a mindset. We've established that it's not about light lager. It's that feeling you get like when you're surrounded by friends and family, right? It's that comfort. It's accessible. It's low pressure. Like when you're, you're, when you're in the state of ease, you can focus on like really important things, the things that matter versus like if you're feeling, you know, a little insecure or pressured, whatever that is. So for us, it's like, or for 54, it's easy drinking is that state of ease. It doesn't have to do with the beer. It's about the experience and that shared human connection. Like low pressure. I love yeah. low pressure. <laughs> low pressure, right? Because sometimes beer is like, what do you taste in this? Like it's wine and, and you know, it just, man, that's not the value of 54. Like that's not what they're doing. They're like, beer is, again, it's, it's, it's to accompany you and not for you to like gather around. Yeah. yeah, where, yeah. where do you even go? Now you have that, you have written, right? And you haven't got, where do you, make the transition into how does this start to visualize? Like I love yeah. when like just even the graphics and the visuals you found that turned into influencing how the brand looked, where do, where do you go? Where do you find it? Do you look up easy drinking and hit images? What, <laughs> what's, what's your tactic? Cause I mean, I, we all, we all love to hear this, you know? Yeah. Again, this is sort of like, I, I should have put pictures of the taproom, but in the taproom, like, Bolt himself, like he has all these like vintage beer cans. It's like this old wooden cabin. He's kind of like a good old okay. boy out in okay. Washington, like yeah. you know, yeah, exact. Do Bolt Minister? Like what a name! His dad's Bolt Minister. It's just, it's the coolest name. Uh, so like, did you make him a logo immediately? <laughs> dude, I did. Yeah, I did. It's a, a lightning bolt with a cross. But you know, for us, it's like he's sort of tied into that sort of nostalgia. Like he has all these old beer signs, like it's sort of already there. And like, you get that feeling of that sort of vintage beer company. And so immediately I was like, okay, that's starting to tie in because what we're talking about is like, he wants to like, he's reverting back to this nostalgia yesteryear of like, you know, you're drinking your balts or your, you know, your Schlitz or whatever that beer, that old vintage beer is and how it was marketed. And so when we started getting to identity, we were setting parameters of like, let's talk a theme. Let's talk an overarching, like visually, can we find something that sort of represents this feeling of like beer? Let's bring beer back, like state of ease, just easy going, easy drinking. And it was sort of that mid-century marketing of beer that was resonating. And so that was sort of the foundation of where we're going to start taking stuff. Like we have these parameters of, you know, especially in that era, like it's really well-defined. Hmm. I mean, right. Like the golden age of that sort of, 50s to or late 60s beer is like it, it it sort of fits in this category you know what it looks like yeah uh, it's there familiar and I yeah. think there's like a touch point in that way yet it's not visibly seeing you're not seeing it now yeah yeah it was something where like there's you know i know that vintage is big but no one goes like mm. too far back uh or just like really dives in and so for us, like it just felt like that was a good uh, point of differentiation that we can adopt, and it fits so well with our brand pillars. It's it, it's something that I think you could see and also resonate. There was one note though that we had to uh, sort of really discuss is like we had to find that line of differentiation one, so we're not just copying mm-hmm. the past, but also like the realities of equality and like systemic oppression, the the problems that we're with mid century America. Like we wanted to make sure we didn't idolize mm-hmm. it. So it translated into like the 54 brand, like one of the values of 54 is like they are inclusive to everyone. Like it's not just white men in. Yeah. And so that was the balance. And like that was sort of like, all right, let's let's find a way to like 
utilize that nostalgic feeling and style, but not idolize it to the point of like, you know, we're ignoring the past. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and uh, technically you kind of got to interject that into anything you're doing today. Um, yeah. If you're pulling the past, right. You got to be careful. It doesn't, it doesn't come baggaged with some of the negative stuff mm-hmm. more than ever now. Right. Like mm-hmm. what a great point to, 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 and have that discussion with them. Yeah, because sometimes those can be hard conversations too. But, you know, again, like it's such a value there. So it was pretty easy. And that was something they even brought up to me. They're like, we want to make sure, like, we like this direction, but there's some like clauses we want to make sure we don't go too far and also just completely idolize, ignore. Exactly. Which I really appreciated. Um, And so now we have this like theme, we have this style, we've, we've developed the pillars, like, we kind of understand who this brand is and what they're about. And so now we're going to like dig into like, okay, well, you currently have a logo. So we got to figure out how that logo is actually going to work with any of this because it may not. And at that time, I was like, it really doesn't fit uh, with what we're kind of going with. They have their main mark at the time, and it still kind of is, is they had this quilt patch. And for anyone looking along, you can kind of see it. It's like it's a circle with some like it's your standard. Like if you think of a quilt patch might be like triangles, squares, circles, pattern, right? I guess pattern's yeah. a better word. And so that was something I knew we were going to have to uh-huh. tackle. They had some other logos. But um, the first thing I tackled was that patch. Uh, and essentially, that sort of started, like, paving way for everything else. But, like, the designer before, the issues with it was it was very – it was non-uniform. Uh, it was very, like, tightly spaced. So, like, when it – Yeah. It fills in when it shrinks down at small sure. scales. Um, it just didn't feel yeah. balanced, you know, and I didn't want to take that away cause they were using the patch on kind of everything. It's like their stamp. Um, and so I didn't want to take it away. So I, I opted just like actually throw it in Good a to be sensitive and, and to like that. space everything out. Yeah. And it actually ended up being a blessing in disguise and we can get into that a little bit later, but like, it was great for like using patterns. Mm. Like it's an actual, like just, just sort of a square of a seamless pattern that I repurposed to make like backgrounds. And it was a fun thing. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and so that was where we started. And again, like we're not changing much here. This was like a little nudge of like, here's, here's what I mean when we talk about rebrand sometimes, like it's kind of keeping the same, but just making it, you know, more purposeful, making it more flexible uh, and just updating it. Sure. Uh, and so there is the, the sort of a visual example you can see, like the the before and after where it's just it's really just taking space and, and, and utilizing like that negative fill uniformly. Do you find yes. um, I love this this section of, of a job because a lot of times you now are just going back to the core principles of logo design, scalability, yep. re- readability, longevity, yes. all those things. And it's yes. kind of where you where we get to show yes. our chops a little bit yes. as more than just artists. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, because like their design has laws yes. and there's things that you should follow and yes. they work for a reason, right? Like, <laughs> like that's our first t shirt. And this, I found like this was a really good introduction for me as a designer of like, okay, how are we going to approach this? And then for them to see again the, the before and after of like, here's progress, here's evolution, and here's why. It's like introducing them to design theory in a fun way that they could digest pretty quickly. Like, I didn't just want to show them an immediate rebrand. So we started with something we knew we were going to keep. Um, and then from there, we started to figure out, like, I knew, like, our the mantra was we're putting the easy back in easy drinking, but that's pretty long. Like, I knew that was going to be long if we wanted to slap it on, you know, a can or scale it down. So I was like, we need to figure out uh, something else that we can use in tandem for 
for just smaller scale and, and just that that reads a little bit better, which is also great because, you know, when we talk about this mid-century, a huge factor of mid-century marketing is like slogans mm-hmm. are everything, which is super fun. And I like doing copywriting. Mm-hmm. And so we started to establish like, let's think of like a lots of different slogans we can utilize in tandem with the brand. Like we wanted the slogans to be as important as certain lockups, as important as certain logos uh, to be identified by words, which is kind of fun. In the 60s, I mean, marking is kind of like that, right? Like make it a Schlitz or like whatever that is. Or like Olympia, Olympia is like, you know, it's the water. That's their slogan. Everyone knows who it is mm-hmm. just by those mm-hmm. words. And so that was a big source of inspiration for us. We came up with a few um, things like, you know, take it easier. Uh, if it's easy, drink it twice. The kind, of, <laughs> the kind of beer you want to bring home to the parents, like all these fun things uh, that we started establishing. But it led us to our primary tagline, which for 54 is easy does it. And that sort of that encapsulates like a ton of direction. Like it's the right choice. You know, I love like it. you did it right. Or, you know, the living is. easy. Yeah. So so that's sort of easy does it. That's our tagline. And then I started getting into the actual logo because I knew I wanted to figure out that tagline before because I wanted to include it in certain lockups. Uh, so we're sketching. And, and again, you know, for those following along with this sort of PDF, you can start to see this again, this old new before after a big change, how, you know, we decided to shift the name a bit. And if we look at that first mark, you know, it, it's 5440 Brinko. We opted for something different, 5440 beer for a variety of reasons. I think one, I don't know if it's as necessary to have Brinko as, the subheader for every brewery. Like, I think it's fun to switch that up. I think it's totally yeah. still identifiable by something else. Um, and the other reason is, you know, 5440 is kind of a weird name. Uh, four mm-hmm. characters is tough. So having yeah. beer kind of helps balance out, like, for sure. In my, you know, thinking future wise, future ahead, like, you know, I can break that up, separate it, you know, have it yeah. on maybe flanking that quilt mark. Just, it just seemed to work better within the system. Um, exactly. I agree. But yeah, so if we're looking at these primary mark right here, you know, again, I'm trying to keep similarities while also we're definitely doing a, a total refresh. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. One big part we added because uh, local sort of like hyper local focus was a big part of the values for 54. Uh, and they're in Washuga, Washington. Um, mm-hmm. And everyone calls it the Shug, the Shug. Uh, and so <laughs> so we, had, we we wanted to dedicate a, a, a mark that we could throw on stuff um, that would represent that. And so we came up with Shug Made. And we can throw that on. I love you that. Know, we throw it on so T-shirts, cool. beers. Mm-hmm. And again, sort of tying into like the taglines is a big part of the company. Um, and then we just started fleshing out like a bunch of stuff, just seeing how things would work together within the system, how, you know, we defining what types we're using more often than not, um, which sort of led into figuring out the color palette. And before you go to the color, I do yeah. want to just stress when you see this great page of multiple logos, secondary logos, and, you know, with logo systems, I think we're really pushing to designers to say, add this to your arsenal, like show a client why this is so important. What what advantages did you find uh, the client uh, maybe gravitated to or, or mm. how did you explain that or where's the benefit here? Yeah, that, that's a super good point. And, and, and this slide in particular, if we're looking at this PDF, like it's just sort of a lockup, not even lockup, just like a pattern of all yeah. variations of lockups. And 
And I, I threw this in there not because we're going to use everyone or everyone's going to be defined, but more or okay, less like... Okay, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This this can be misconstrived for um, wh- how do you choose and, and which wh- application-wise, <laughs> like what goes totally. where? Because talk about guideline manual craze. <laughs> yes. This can be convoluting. Yeah. For, for sure. Totally. And... Yeah. And if not well explained, perhaps extremely overwhelming slash confusing to the client. Totally. Um, and so in in the deck, you know, this was I threw this in because one, you know, they this is sort of their first time going through the branding process. And mm-hmm. I was trying to, you know, get them to understand like branding can be fluid. It needs to be flexible. It needs to be responsive. And it doesn't have to live with yes. like you don't just stamp one logo and everything. It You yes. should be able to break it. And so this is an example of like. If we ever wanted to expand or just like play with stuff or like think about marks we want to put on merch, it's not just that singular stamping logo. Like, you know, here's something where everything is very different, but it all can conform into like this unifying like yeah. direction. Though, again, we probably in this slide, if we're looking at it, like maybe 20% of the stuff we've used and the rest cool. of it is just like, again, just adding flavor of like frosting. Yeah. And like <laughs> just to see like you can have more than one mark and it sort of like how something can live in a family. Why like mm-hmm. they can start to see the same fonts, you know, repeat. They can start to see like how the system's playing with like art and stuff. There is a cohesive flow here. There is. Totally. Yeah. And it's just like a feeling, right? It's like. And, it's a and, feeling. It's yeah. a It's a mishmash mesh, like not twinning, <laughs> but yet not totally not left field. Totally. It's comfortable. Yeah, it's all sort of like in the same filter, but still very different from each other. And so, yeah, yeah. So when mm-hmm. I threw up this slide, you know, I was already taking them through the process. And this was just like that example of systems yeah. can work differently. Here's mm-hmm. just a concept. Here's just like I'm going to throw stuff at the wall mm-hmm. and, you know, Love we it. can start to filter through. Um, and then we start getting into color. Color plays a big role uh, at 54. Um, we wanted to make sure that the palette was extensive enough to use through like a ton of touch points, a ton of packaging. Uh, and so like, I mean, we have, what is it like 12, uh, 11 different colors in our palette, uh, which is a lot. And we use them all a ton. Um, yeah. And we wanted everything to still feel like in that like sort of vintage 70s vibe for this. Um, and so we came up with our palettes. Uh, one big thing I like to do with my branding projects, and it's not unique to me, but it's a great tip for anyone who doesn't do it is I name my colors for a couple of reasons. I think the first reason is it's really engaging with the consumer I f- or the client. I find like if we just personalize <laughs> their color palette, it's ownable to them. And it's a fun process to actually like bring in the brand. Like some of our colors, like Tang is our orange, which is very like sort of vintage retro, right? From that era. Same with like Apollo Pacific Mustang Walnut, you know, primer is our white. Just figuring out like uh, how that might work in the system. But the other reason I find is when you have a palette this broad, we're doing a lot of like merchandise printing or any mm-hmm. any so working with printers. I don't have to just give them. I mean, I obviously give them the Pantone. But when I'm communicating, like if I want three of the colors, I can just say, oh, we want this to be our primer, tang and yeah. sugar red. Yeah. And he yeah. has all that information. I'll send him this document with all our colored uh, definitions. And it's just easier to communicate. Same with me and the client. It's like, you know, oh, do totally. we want that dark orange or we want the lighter orange? Or like, mm-hmm. what blue do we want if we say blue? Well, we, yeah. we just go under the name. 
That's great. Yeah. Because you've got, you know, in the future, you've got so many, multi, you've got an endless amount of cans and different uh, extensions of the brand that are going to have to happen. So you might not be using them all now, but in a month mm -hmm. to two months, you know you're going to need that rust or you're going to need that dark blue. And I think a lot of times this is, why not future-proof the project by doing this amount of color palette yeah. So you are ready because I, I can't tell you how many times you've been with a client and we've been in this gold black phase for years. Right. And then they're like, we need an emerald green. And now you got to take the time and find what's going to work. And you're going backwards. In this case, you've got it already established. Yeah. And, you know, that. to to be fair on this, like I was already at this point, like just in my head sketching out sure. how the packaging system would work. And I knew that I wanted to, again, colored to be such a prominent part of this brand. I knew I wanted to have definitive colors to implement within like the system of packaging. So I'm not Excellent. always introducing a new color. I can mix it up. Like we have enough to like, if we do two colors per package, there's a ton of offerings I can mix up here. Nice. Right. Um, so that was sort of the forefront there. Um, as we keep going, uh, that quilt ended up being a really cool option to use as a pattern. And we started using that like across the board in a lot of different fun ways. I essentially just took that centerpiece and just seamlessly uh, built it out. Nice. Yeah. Because uh, it's always good to have a pattern, right? Like that is something they say for most brands, develop a pattern, which, you know, honestly, like I don't use as much, but this works so well that we actually ended up adopting it pretty heavily. I don't um, think we realize sometimes how much patterns identify a brand from maybe even further away. You know, hmm. when you think of like the broad stripes or things like you see, if you see a pattern that Burger King is using, you, you're going to know hmm. it's like a consumer's going to go like that, 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 that jives, you know, I get it. Yeah. And I, I you know, um, so that's really, I, I know sometimes in talking with my students, sometimes, uh, Two things you've just established is this logo system, colors, and now even patterns. So three things. Those are the things that give you more tools to play with once you are down the road with the brand. Mm, mm -hmm. you, you never, you never want to be left with like three or four things, and now you're logo slapping on everything. But now you, you have variety. You have things that you can mix and match. It's almost an endless variety, and yet you know it's going to jive with your 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 brand totally. Yeah, and it's just again, you you said it perfectly. Like I'm just trying to think far enough ahead that I can start to like make this brand more flexible. It's going to make our jobs easier later on. If I'm there you go. establishing <laughs> how something might work now. And again, awesome. you know, things change, especially when we get into merchandise. Like I think there's a lot of freedom that you can implement in merchandising that it's not just slapping logos, like experiment more, break the brand a little bit, like break your rules and try to yeah. figure it out. Like that's mm -hmm. a good opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so from there we go into packaging, which is, you know, the billboard for breweries like it is your it is your sort mm -hmm. of major touch point like this is what people engage with most like they're mm -hmm. taking your product there's a feeling that it's in their hands they're looking at it, they're touching it they're drinking it like we knew mm -hmm. that this was going to be a big part of how we're going to sort of relay the feeling of the brand and so obviously you know given our sort of time stamp that we're putting on it this sort of mid-century uh brand w the cans back then were just so defined uh, and yeah. so we took a ton of different samples. I mean, our Pinterest page is like, I don't know, 600 cans oh and gosh. just like really dug into what are the commonalities? Like, because there's a ton of different beer at this point, but they all share stuff. And so mm -hmm. our first point yeah. was like, well, let's, let's sort of pull apart what's common. What's the common thread through all this stuff. And for us, you know, we noticed 
there's a ton of usage for badges, you know, containers around the logos. We knew yeah, that's super consistent and wonderful. Right? That, yeah. Yeah. Damn. That um, holiday lager beer is like my, oh, I love that oof, one. I gotta, oof. I gotta find that on eBay. Yeah, it's super <laughs> it's fun, so right? Killer. <laughs> uh, and lots of like little embellishments here and there, you know, just like just little pieces that were just kind of tie the room together. Yeah. Um, and the chromes and the silvers. The substrate, and the, yeah, exactly. Right? That was a big part of it. It's like they all kind of use that gold or that silver, which was awesome. Um, the logo's kind of always placed pretty similarly. Uh, and True. a big part was like display type is huge. I mean, that's like the personality, I think, of these other than color really comes through with the type choice that they're using. Interesting. And yeah. it's, it's not really ever something very simple. Like all the typefaces are very display heavy, super personal. Um, yeah. And then the other part was like illustration used, but only when needed. Like it wasn't, none of them are really illustrative based. I mean, with a few exceptions, obviously, but throughout the most part, like they really let the type do the work with the badge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, those were our pull aparts. And that's something we went into the next phase when we started sketching out our own stuff. The first thing we started with was the Kolsch because that's our flagship. Yeah. Uh, and so you can kind of see in this slide, we're looking at a sketch I did and then the sort of the final end up piece where it landed, which is pretty similar. But again, we're putting our names, super display type in a badge with minor illustration. Like that's sort of taking all these things we pulled apart and putting into context. Um, and then you can kind of see where we're putting out the labels and the breakdown yeah. of how that works. And when I'm doing the first one, I'm thinking, and you can kind of see in this next slide, like, how this is going to work within a system. Like, how am I going to take all these assets and make sure that each, because they're going to look different. I still want that uniformity to be there. Yep. So what's my label template going to look like? And immediately, you know, we know we wanted it to sort of be a two-faced can, meaning like, you know, one side is the same as the other. You can turn it and it kind of like repeats. Um, And so we kind of built out this, this template for, what the rest is going to look like. We have our tagline. We have our secondary taglines. The badge is always going to be here. Uh, and things that don't move. Like the logo is never going to move. The 5440 beer replacement is never going to move. Um, and same with the top and the bottom. So that's sort of the template we started creating. And, then, and you really haven't, re- with all these things grounded, yeah. you really haven't, you really haven't um, forced yourself into like, uh, Oh, well, this isn't going to be that flexible. Like, you know, a lot of times you lock in three things and you think, oh, like I'm going to be so locked into these. But you've showed how there's plenty of space to make these different and mess around with them. Well, because sometimes like I knew going into we established like we want them to be cohesive, obviously. But the problem I think sometimes is so many beer templates are like, we're just going to change color and copy, which Mm -hmm. I just think that gets pretty tired after a while sometimes. Like, and so I knew we wanted to be super flexible because you know the brand is fun and it's, it's sort of harnessing and touching on this vintage era where the cans are really diverse but the similarities again they're all there we're all put we're putting everything in a badge in a container and it's always in the same template like i'm not moving much other than just making a lockup kind of right hmm. uh, but it, they still feel very different but the same and if you look at like yeah. further down when we start to see them in you know practice with three examples here like they're all following that same rule they're all still templatized but they're unique they're personal yeah. uh, it's not just changing a color in a block and in the copy which though i mean obviously still works don't get me wrong but it just felt maybe a little too modern also for this brand mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then even further along like you know 
you can start to see other releases and seasonal stuff, like maybe breaking out a little, but still the principal rules are there, right? We're still kind of playing within that same format. And I, I, that's a, that's always like the hard part, right? You want to have that, <laughs> that, that, that kind of like extension one that's a little bit different. I think like the Yacht Rocker and the uh, Broken Record definitely have that. But yeah. still for some, but if it can still follow along some of your brand DNA, yeah. I think the consumer goes along with you, you know, well, that, that's, it's that's still, the fun part. It's still following the rules. Like it's still got the, yeah. the header and footer don't change the logo mm-hmm. placement and title uh, do not change the 5440 and the quilt mat like that never changes. So it's always going to be there. And then mm. it's really just, and what's fun is again, if we're looking at our color palette, like all these colors are from that. So yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. except for maybe that yellow, which I introduced in Yacht Rocker, but that's those seasonals. I'm, I might break the brand a little oh, okay. bit, Yeah. but the core stuff is like all those colors are defined Killer. within our palette. Um, and yeah, from there, it's just like putting it kind of to work. You know, we got our sales sheets. Every beer has its own slogan, which is super yeah. fun. From there, we started building out the merch, uh, which is the next big section of the brand. And we're... It's so much fun. Yeah. It's so fun. And <laughs> I'm lucky enough for like, you know, they are, or Bolt uh, and 54, they're, they're into the merch game. Like, they want to order Good. stuff all the time, cool. Cool. which oh. gives us... Total flexibility. Yeah, yeah oftentimes exactly. That, yeah, oftentimes that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, he's trusting enough in the process at this point. You know, like when we started to do merch, the brand was getting flushed out and he was seeing how it's coming together. So I think he had more faith in like, oh, the process Good. works like this. I, I'm understanding how the brand operates. And he gave me a lot more freedom to like not just put that primary logo on anything. Like, And, and if you start um, to look at the merch, really like fun. I'm breaking it up. You know, I'm not using that single logo really much. I'm... I'm going for like maybe the secondary or maybe just an illustration or, you know, something totally different. Uh, yeah. But it still kind of works. And you start to see stuff together and it 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 it, it, uh, it still has some like cohesion throughout it. Would you say there's a golden rule that you kind of stick to in designing merch for it, like for any any brand or client? It's it, it's tough. You know, one, it depends on like what that brand might be, because circumstances like maybe this wouldn't work for a certain uh different brand i guess Mm -hmm. i mean ultimately like i look at it as an opportunity to flex the brand more than just the logo because i think consumers would rather something interesting uh versus just just a logo slapped i mean there are i think it's yeah i think it's always good to have a singular option where it's like they want to come in and support you and wear your logo yeah you have to have a staple but in my experience this is the opportunity to like break the brand up and like figure out where else it can go because sometimes you know it, it it's hard to like figure out where that lives. Like I don't want to do it on packaging or I don't want to do it on like these main takeaways, but merchandise is like, well, if it's a one-off and we're doing a small run, like let's mess with the brand. Let's see if something works. And if it does, like let's bring that into the fold. And we did that a few times with like these illustrations. One of them's really heavy of like the mountain scenery, this landscape of a shugal. You know, that's not something I started with, but we threw it on a pine glass and we liked it so much. So we started bringing it into the fold and it started like really defining Okay, maybe nice. illustrations have a place in this brand, especially uh, on applications like even like the the, the growler and stuff like right because it's like yeah. to me I think in some ways where you, you only have like you can only do solid color art or you know solid inks and not a lot of screens or something like that. Mm. Then all of a sudden those those become a little more flexible, and once you've introduced them, if they're successful, now you know you can kind of take them into other other extensions of the brand. Yeah, yeah, and you can you see know? again like examples of that pattern coming back up which this you know, is just so extensive homes. i mean that, <laughs> that, that, there's that a ton hang, 
Yeah, yeah, that handkerchief alone, the artwork for that, that as its own distinct project would be a bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, and that's where like the brand really does like, come alive, at least for this example, in the merchandise. Like, it really does, if I was yeah. going to show does, you know, something, the brand. Well, I mean, the like, cans too. For yeah, yeah, for, for sure, for for sure. Um, but it's a different, it, it's a different type of alive. Yeah, and you know, also the items of merch are pretty important. Like, we even took it to like, okay, let's figure out what we sell and whatever we sell, like can it live within this sort of vintage feel, right? So, like, the handkerchief kind of feels in that era, right? Mm-hmm. We did a whole line it of does. postcards with fun slogans, like, please don't feed the beers. And, like, I found and licensed all this old vintage photography and, like, put the brand into them, you know, just, just to, yeah. like, what items would work within the era that kind of... Yeah, some a little, some quite far-fetched, but suitable all the same. Yeah, yeah, like, yep. obviously, like, we're going to have to have our, our shirts and our pine glasses, but, like, camping mugs, you know, pe- like, pennants, vintage hats, you know, we, we we were taking that brand sort of arc and trying to put it into every touch point, including yeah. the items that we sold. Um, and then, you know, from there, from the merch, like, we, we just kept going and and you know we yeah. started to put illustration in a lot more after we started uh, uh flushing out the merch and you can kind of see it with like the website you know and and uh, what is the team comprised of what are the roles who are the roles what how big is this team how many oh, kids the in the kitchen team oh man 54 is a very small brewery like i, I i'd say so there's both the owner and his wife amy and then mm-hmm. there's like a couple brewers and mm-hmm. some kitchen staff and servers. I don't know, probably like twenty five. Like okay, t- isn't that amazing? Twenty five, but as yeah. part of this creative process and the team, oh, the collaborative team for it. What 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 number? So this How is how many individuals? It's just me, like uh, yeah. me and Bolt. Like this is and, okay. and this project is an anomaly where you know I think yeah. he just trusts the process enough where I I kind of have free reign. Yeah, kind of you could send run with him it. some stuff. Yeah, and I well, think that well, only came with defining over the course stuff. of like merchandise was mm. month was was week month what of from kickoff like what what mm. what would you say yeah I would say uh, I mean so from like discovery to mm-hmm. merchandise like maybe four months yeah uh, yeah like yeah. it's something like that um, which is long I mean we took a, we took like almost three months at least I did in the back end flushing out what the brand is and like meeting Mm -hmm. and talking about like, you know, again, before I was even designing stuff. Um, and then Mm -hmm. things started coming together pretty quickly, but like some of this merch again, to be a rhythm, which is so neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some of these examples, like I did Mm -hmm. maybe six months ago and some of them I did last week, like that handkerchief is like two weeks old or something. So like, okay. Okay. We're talking like, you know, almost a year of brand development since I started. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we're looking like a year's worth. So there is a ton of stuff, but this is also a good example for people who, you know, want to think about a rebrand. Well, these are all touch points. These are all things that had to change. Coasters, you know, banners, all these things you Social. might not think about. Yeah, your tab handles, like beyond yep. just the normalities of like merch, like what's the website look like? Like we, I had to build a website with them. Uh, and mm. photography, how are we treating those? And like, what do the keg wraps look like? Like we just, the posters in the, uh, in the pubs, like that, they had, they, they do a ton of events there, and that was another touch point we knew we wanted to flush out. And and so the posters are like really illustration heavy. Um, there's yeah. a few examples throughout here, but just like it was, I mean, it's a big project. It's probably the largest project I've done because 
they just do a ton of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's really let the brand grow into something really fun. And I'm excited. Like when I get to do something because we have such a solid foundation of parameters and direction, like it's fun to work within that and try to make something, you know, uh, uh, that translate that in a new yeah. way. Like the, the, I think the latest thing we did was this beer tray, which again, I'm pulling elements that I made from like that, that, that handkerchief and there's the pattern again. And, and so like those elements are maybe now more defined in the brand. purpose in a way. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it, isn't it, that great? The versatility is, it's just fantastic. Yeah. And like, it, it takes is. a long time to do those illustrations, but I know like, oh man, I bet this will work someplace else. So now it's part mm-hmm. of the system that I have. <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'll repurpose it where it's you It's worth it. And, yeah. You're living and breathing this project. I mean, how do you not? It's so fun. Yeah. And, and again, like they're just, it's so nice having a client that's like really trusting of the process and like just kind of totally. lets you have that freedom. Cause I think yeah. that's, yeah. you know, part of it too and i think a lot of that really came from doing that upfront work which can yeah. sometimes be either sped through or overlooked which i get right. i do it sometimes when the client's like i don't have the budget to do that but oh, i always try to stress the importance such a turn off i know, I know. same yeah. same with me because i live in that stuff because then i can then i yeah. i like thinking and i say this a lot but like i like thinking outside the box within a box like i like having those parameters set and then find the but. unique ways to like time <laughs> in because it's hard yeah. if someone's like just make me a logo it's like well i don't even then it's just going to be what i think yeah. you should do and it might not live to the brand but mm-hmm. yeah i mean this thing's still growing like i said it's been about a year's worth from when we start okay. kicked off to where we are now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh lots of exciting stuff in the works but yeah, this is man. like yeah this is probably one of my favorite like full ground up rebrand projects i've done this is so great. To me, it represents everything of what a great client and a great industry that we could work for can be. Like, I don't think years ago you would have thought a small town brewery could be an opportunity for people like us to really shine. Yeah. You know, and, no. and, yeah. and, and I love that they, like you said, the touch points, breweries and restaurants and small brands have are just as big as the, the big guys and mm-hmm. this is where we can really shine as as small design groups you know small design agencies and people so i love that it's a perfect example of showing what to like strive for yeah if with something that's in your own hometown right yeah i mean yeah they're they're like yeah. 25 minutes from so my fun. house right uh, oh wow super fun that's yeah. dangerous <laughs> I, know. I know that feeling <laughs> <laughs> and like but even wow. like if we look at even the results like if we go back to our initial goals and like what we wanted to accomplish you know and we're starting to see that now a year in of like people are super familiar with the brand so much so that like their opportunities of getting into big accounts where they couldn't before they're in now and they're selling more right. beer than they've ever sold. And like the merchandise is up. And like all these goals that we were establishing in the beginning, you know, they're becoming reality. And that's that's sort of always the best testament. Yeah. It's like, and I usually wait about a year to try to look at the results and see like, let's see how the beer sales are doing now that we've repackaged. Right. Yeah. Or like, that's let's making see. me um think about a discussion that we've had in I would say in a fair amount of length mm-hmm. before on this show, and that is to have um, re- you, em- embody recurring revenue with a project like this. Mm-hmm. You are you are the creator of this brand. Mm-hmm. If their if their business takes a um, undergoes a spike, 
you know, in, in initial phase after, uh, do you, do you even think about requesting that you request a percentage of sales over any given period of time? It, it's an interesting, curious idea to implement yeah. into your business. Is it awkward? Do you, I mean, you've, you've <laughs> obtained thousands of dollars for the project. Do you dare ask like, holy shit, Yeah. It, am I going to ruin the relationship? Everything's been going so beautifully. These are all, it, but the answer should never be, no, no, no. And, you know, step back and, you know, shy away and slip under the carpet. You have to, yeah. you have to stretch your means for business other than just hitting the canvas board, presenting. Obtain selections, mm. make the fine, make the final rounds, slice up the assets. I mean, come on! If we're a part of the business, yeah. this is success for these individ- these companies, these products, these beverages, whatever it is, is it out of line to think about that and to have a conversation? I mean, hell no! I I, I love nah. that point, and and I think that even uh, it, it could also be you know certain companies might not have the budget that you want or certain clients, maybe they're smaller and they, their sure. budget's under. I think that's a good sure. opportunity to explore those yeah, options upfront. and like get creative. Like, okay, totally understand. Like this is a big upfront cost or like this is, you know, a rebrand is costly, but, but maybe there's another creative way of like, let's talk about percentages of, yes. you know, for every beer you sell, maybe I get some sort of per- perpetuity cost or like maybe a percentage of the company. Like I know designers that are now directly like, you know, shareholders within companies. And that was part of their payment, which yep. I think is a really creative and potentially great way to sort of uh, uh, become part of that, that deal. Or if the, you know, if Absolutely. that direct upfront cost isn't within your comfort level or something. It, like it that. might be the solution to a brand that maybe they don't have that budget upfront, like you said. Yeah. And that's, that's the great time to talk about it or bring it up. Like, right, Mikhail, like I would, if if it doesn't hit your qualifier as far as what a new project might be for you as a as a individual designer, have that talk with them. I don't think I think that's the best time to do it. Obviously, mm. um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how how comfortable I would feel if I was made some great money with someone, launched them off, still was their designer, and they were killing it. I, I don't know if I'd no, I'd I if you. I'd want to have this that conversation. Is far easier then. to have a, a brainstorm conversation about than to actually implement it into your your creative process mm-hmm. and and. I mean, let's be honest about that. I mean, what's the damage control? I, I and maybe we touch on this as, separately, but yeah, I, this could as, be a great a topic. Ob- yeah, <laughs> subject. But I really, yep. I really, um, the whole point of me bringing that about is to encourage that there's no end. Mm-mm. There doesn't have to be any end. Yeah, I mean, great working with you. No, it doesn't have to be like mm-mm. that. You can push the established business relationship that you've already. You, yeah, I mean, you just said a year. Yeah, I mean, awesome. and, and, and that's an intimate business relationship. Oh, totally. Wife? Really? Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. yeah, exactly. It's so <laughs> yeah. good. I mean, they're they're family, and 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 yeah. but yeah. that is a good point. Like, I there's few clients, and if it happens, it's because like I don't want to continue a relationship. Like maybe it wasn't the best development, but like most clients, like I try to get retaining work, and that's I mean, very uh, like less than. Uh, often it's it's like they don't come back for more work like i don't just give a logo and like okay your brand's done you know their brands are evolving every day the company's changing they're gonna need stuff uh which is easy to do when you are so busy and you have to put off some other accounts to to flesh this one out Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden weeks go by and you're like fuck i might have missed my window you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And there, there's also been times where, like, man, I created some great stuff, and maybe I just didn't have the time, or maybe the budget wasn't there for me to, like, do all the stuff, all the production, yeah. the product, the designs. And then maybe they outsource it to someone else. I'm like, man, it they didn't do what the, they didn't Ooh. do what the brand uh, laid out. And that's that's as like the designer, like that's the worst feeling. Like sometimes that's it's cringe, worth cringeworthy just, moments. Yeah, too. exactly. <laughs> but you know, go back to what how much you delivered at upfront. Mm. I think you also secured yourself as that person later down the road by being so caring and 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 thinking ahead that you you've established that that relationship before you've even delivered probably the first thing. So yeah. the, uh, what a good lesson for all of us to learn with that kind of stuff because then you get a long-term place. And a place like them that always needs new stuff, even if you're like it, for some clients of mine, it's not it doesn't make sense for me to do the social media form, mm-hmm. but let's give them templates and guidelines and pre-made AI files that their social media person can do and they can't mess up. Yeah. So what a way to be a partner with them. That's that's that to me is like the ultimate thing. You want them to become, become especially a beer guy. You want them to be their family. Yeah, right. Let's yeah. be let's be honest. We, yeah. we all love that. <laughs> yeah, but again, like your family as freelance, like retaining clients are the bread and butter of my life. Like that's my security is is finding mm-hmm. these projects that one great relationship. Two, the budget's there. Three, they're easygoing. Great to work with. Like okay. I want to keep working for like, I don't want to always onboard. Onboarding sucks. Like trying to get new clients sucks. Reeducating, doing this whole year long process <sighs> over. I, know. I don't want to do it again. Yeah. Like I want to it's keep exhausting. the ones that I like working with and, and, and just cool. keep going. So that's, so, so what, yeah. What did you learn? What's the number one thing you learned from this entire project that you will take <laughs> to the next one? Um, I, I, that it's, it's tough. There, there is, <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot along the way. I mean, ultimately, like, this was the first proof of concept for, like, I mean, I did everything, everything ground up. It was, like, me and the owner. Uh, and I my process changed pretty dramatically of how I educate the client because I think before Perfect. I maybe – it takes time and it just – as a freelancer, like, time is money and I don't want to waste my time or their time. But I think for me, I'm going to – I, I'm going to focus more on the educational part. I'm going to actually bring them more into the process. Good for you. Um, it also like you. made me appreciate working with good clients. Like, and I have great clients. Oh, Don't get me wrong, yeah. but this one in particular is like, man, I can tell. I can yeah, tell it, it's that some the, of the whole best. experience just warmed your heart. Maybe like, yeah, <laughs> lifted your spirits, made you see your career in a different light. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's just good. Like, it, it was fun to see something come alive so cohesively. Like, I think it's. If I look at the brand as a whole, like, and we look at our goals, this is something I'm pretty confident. Is like, this is a total success, and not because yes. the logo looks good, and not because there's good illustration or packaging. Everything. It has nothing to do with the design. It's just like it accomplishes it accomplished our goals that we set out at the beginning, and it's it's succeeding for the company. Like, it's bringing value to them. Like, that's the fucking best. Like, that's why we yeah. do this. Yeah. Like, how do I? But gonna, the beautiful yeah. patterns, the logo, the the, yeah. the aesthetics that are beautiful <laughs> is yeah. is that is that ice cream topper for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah, you couldn't I ask for that. a better. Yeah, I mean, I well, don't want you to diminish that. No, no, I just yeah. you know, I think I think design can be really subjective, and sometimes I think it designers can. like and creatives mm-hmm. alike like we'll see a logo and say like that's good or bad, where it's like man. You have no idea. You weren't in those meetings. Like you don't know no, what the, the goals process. were. You don't know what this is How trying to achieve. With the, exactly. Like it's hard yeah, to look at please. a logo and say like, "Yep, that's a success." Like I just, I know. 
I, yeah. So that's a really good point. You know, it, it almost quali- it, to me it qualifies, and I'm sure uh, maybe I'm, uh, this is how I would feel. But there's those jobs that you just do to pay the bills to get out, and a lot of times, and we know a lot of designers in our fields, they don't we don't show those ones, right? Like you Dude, know, 100%. and to me, I look at I look at it too as sometimes some of these ones might not be the one you got the most massive return on or uh, budget, but it, it's even more, it's even more amazing to me when it's one of those jobs that you want, you can pat yourself on the back and go, I'm so proud of that. Like, like I, those come around very rarely. Mm-hmm. And when they do, you love, and I, I know that's yeah. how it is with you on this, you know, mm-hmm. those are the ones mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Restored the that's faith cool, in the process. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, damn, we did our first deep dive. I'm excited that yeah, this was uh, oh this was extensive. This was great. I hope you guys have totally you, used the... How do you follow that up? I know. <laughs> I, I'm going to be doing mine in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> um, but man, I, I love this idea. I hope it was Me good too. for the audience to hear yeah. and see, but also like, you know, we, we are really making this commitment to talk more about decisions and choices and hurdles and things right in the process along with this beautiful design stuff that we got to talk more about. I'm, I'm, I couldn't be happier with this I one. I think this it's was a great, great, great plan, Nick. Awesome. Yeah, same. Excellent. I mean, I'm a sucker for the process. I, I want to know <laughs> how everyone does everything, you know? I got to uh, start writing down these t-shirt ideas. I'm a sucker <laughs> for the process. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I haven't tapped into all the creative podcasts out there, but I don't know of one that does this, this use case type of system. Yeah, I think having and, visuals alongside are key, right? Because it's hard. Sure, it is. It is. Yeah, but it is. Uh, yeah, because yeah. the process is all context of like, why did you name your color that or like, you know, why did you choose this font choice? Like, that's yeah. the interesting part of like, yeah. how did you come to that decision? Then how did it work? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think you can only do by really digging in to like something specific, not even because if we look at other case studies, like they're not going to do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Or just be yeah. too hard to break it all down. But I like the idea of everyone bringing in like a you know a project that really represents something, and then digging into like the Me process too. behind it. Me too. I think it's cool. Yeah, super fun. Yeah, I had a good time. Well, we had a successful first launch of Deep Dive. Congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> that was great. All right, as promised, this is a first listen to the DGDC's new show, The Test Pilots. We are the test pilots. Why don't we take that idea? All the advice. See if all this stuff is actually what it is. We're here to test that. Why do we get picked? Why did, why did Nick ask us to do this, really? I'd say it's Goodbye. because we're all at varying points in our career, and we're still freshly out of college, so it really gives a lot of variety and diversity, considering we're still, still such young designers compared to our seniors. Steven, can you introduce like your background real quick? What's up, everybody? My name's Steven Overturf. It's a mouthful. I understand that. Uh, I'm from central Arkansas. That's where I reside now. And I've been a professional designer, I guess you could say, since January of 2015. 
graduated from the University of Central Arkansas in fall of 2014, uh, and I've been designing ever since I graduated high school in 2010. I love it, man. Brand, I'm primarily a branding designer, um, but I kind of hit all spectrums, really. And Narek, what about you? Uh, my name is Narek Mugnetsian. I, I graduated from Cal State Northridge this year, uh, May of 2020. <laughs> yeah, and I went to Glendale Community College. That's where everything started for me. That's where my graphic design career started. <laughs> and Rubai? So my name is Rubai Joffer. Um, I went to Cal State Northridge as well. Um, I started designing in 2014. Um, I've always been an artist my entire life. I initially started off in college as a communication sciences and disorders major to be a speech pathologist. Then I had a job where it was like commission sales at Nordstrom. And that's when I realized I really like marketing and I can fuse that together with art to get into graphic design. So I think my main niche of design would have to be packaging is like where I want to be. But unfortunately, the path has taken me down to entertainment and now e-commerce. And hopefully one day the right job will land in my lap. And yeah, hopefully I'll be smooth sailing from there. Mike, you want to introduce yourself, bro? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Michael Burpo. I'm from uh, upstate New York. I went to school at RIT. Um, I've been you know, into design for a while. I graduated 2017 and I work for a company that's in uh, the jewelry industry making websites. And I'm the, the lead UI UX designer. I'll be very upfront. I'm actually not a very talented uh, visual designer. I just uh, you know, had to think creatively and be able to speak about my work a little bit better. That's kind of like what my story is. So our story though, so now that you met everybody, so we are, until the name changes, if we change the name, the test pilot. We're a group of designers who, who kind of want to seek out what everybody's saying, oh. our senior designers who are saying, hey, do this and you'll be successful or you'll be more successful than you typically are. And we're here to test that. We're, we're kind of here to jump on board with the DGDC and, and get going with that. I think between the four of us, we are the common, the common thing, that the thing, if you drew like a Venn diagram between all four of us, yeah, we all work in different fields or we all come from different backgrounds. We all live in different places, basically. But we all are younger. We're all driven we're all curious. We're all work hard. So all those things kind of puts us together. And I think that puts us in like a unique opportunity to answer these questions that some people in, in positions coming right out of college don't know the answer to. And people that have already made it or been there, done that kind of thing, have already been able to maybe their success has kind of clouded their eyes. We'd like to test a couple of the things that people have been saying all the time, all the advice. So when you get out of college, what is the advice that you get from people? Hey man, all you got to do is just ask. Hey man, you should have your resume and your portfolio done all the time. I'll tell you what, I'm three years out of college. I do not have my resume and my portfolio <laughs> done. All I haven't touched it since I got my job. Not, hey man, not like e- not even one resume, but multiple <laughs> resumes, oh, yeah. multiple oh, different yeah. types of who yeah. has that? I've never met a person who has multiple resumes. The people Dude. who say that are full of shit. Speak no that truth. Speak that truth. truth. Well, I'm just glad we're choosing to be like these myth busters because I know when I first graduated, I kept on taking all this info in and it honestly seemed really daunting at first. Now it's just time to see if all this stuff is actually what it is and if it's actually effective. It's like stuff that, that people 
think is true because they've already gotten past the hurdle and, uh, of having their second or third, or now they can get jobs just by their name or whatever it is because yeah. they've, they have the portfolio in the name. But then they give that advice to people who do not have the portfolio or the name and they think that that stuff is actually true. Like that, have that multiple resume and portfolio and, and that kind of thing and have it like honed down to multiple different angles. Yo, man, I, I got my job in my portfolio or like with my resume and my portfolio and like for real, my stuff is not impressive at all. And I think that maybe if I showed it to those people, they'd kind of like, really, you got a job with this? And it's like, yeah, yeah. Maybe you've been out of school for a little bit too long and maybe you should put to test your own advice. That's what we're going to do. Well, that's the thing. Um, You mentioned they've been out of school for so long. I feel like timing has a lot to do with it, too. When social media just started to make an imprint on the design world and all these designers at the time were already established enough to make that impression. So they were able to get these big followings and just become those idols that we look up to. Whereas now everybody is posting their stuff. Everyone is just constantly competitive and looking up to these things. But the thing is, there's so many people doing it. The chances of having that highlight and blowing up are a lot harder now. So how are, how are we gonna how are we gonna achieve this? How are we gonna go about doing this? So the idea is, we're gonna take a piece of advice, one piece of advice that everybody gives around. You know, that is kind of almost like a a common, almost like sounds like the design equivalent of coming out of a fortune cookie, like a soundbite, like a soundbite, like a soundbite, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to all four of us are gonna take that to heart for however long it takes. And we're going to record our process and document the hell out of it. And then we're going to bundle it up. We're going to serve it to you guys. And we're not going to pass judgment on it. And you guys can make, you guys can decide, you know, is that soundbite actually worth listening to? Is that soundbite, is that piece of advice that people are constantly throwing around? Fact or fiction. And then, and then we'll go on to the next one. What do you guys think we're going to get out of this? Like, what do you think that we are going to get out of it? And what do you think the audience is actually going to get out of this? I don't know if you guys ever seen America's Test Kitchen. They have like these junior cooks. There's sometimes they're students, they're culinary students. And they basically, they come up, like each episode starts. And then the junior cook is like, hey, this is what I try to make. Like, for example, I try to make like macaroni and cheese, right? And then the guy's like, okay, what, what did you test? Like, oh, I tried to make the macaroni myself, right? So the whole thing is just this, the student shows what he did, you know, and it's like, I tested this and in my thing, this worked better and this worked and this worked and this didn't work, you know, and then the host kind of just guides him along. There's something that's already established, you know, like raising your prices or being a freelance designer. That's nothing new. That's nothing that we created. Why don't we, these four designers take that idea and test it out and we can be like, okay, this worked and that didn't work. And that honesty is what really makes it interesting. And that's right. what we're going to do. We're going to make you guys you try. design you mac know, and you cheese. Try. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be coming out with these probably every, couple every of months, three, four so, months, every couple so times. So often. Yeah. You know? as, as often as, as Nick and Jordan and everybody, you know, lets us in. But maybe you guys are going to learn something. Or maybe you're going to watch us fail every now and then. And we're going to have like a really grand time. So again, I'm Mike, joined by Steven, Narc, Dubai. It's going to be great. And yeah. we're happy to bring you guys the test pilots. And it's going to be a really good time. Come in early October. Early October. Maybe. We'll see. Godspeed, everyone. If we, if we get allowed in. <laughs> Hey, 
Hey team, this October, join the entire DGDC team at Adobe Max. The annual creative conference is going online October 20th through the 22nd. Max is sure to be a creative experience like no other. Plus, it's all totally 100% free. With 56 hours of keynotes, luminary speakers, breakout sessions, workshops, musical performances, and even a few celebrity appearances, Max is going to be the place to build your skills, help you achieve your creative goals, and gain tons of inspiration. And did we mention it is totally free? You'll explore over 350 sessions across 10 different tracks, hear from amazing speakers, and learn new creative skills. All totally free and online this October. And plus, we have a huge guest that we'll be interviewing. You'll know more about that later down the road. But for now, register at max.adobe.com. We'll see you there.